0: Today we are continuing in a sermon series that we began a couple of weeks ago, examining our spiritual life with the same intention and priority that we examine our physical lives. Looking and exploring, what does it mean to have eyes that see as God wants us to see? What does it mean to have hearts that beat with the love of God? And today, what does it mean for us to speak life as God spoke life into creation and continues to speak today, I invite you to join me in looking at our, our scripture passage that comes out of James 3 verses 1 through 12. Listen with me for the voice of the Lord in your life and my life today. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, unable to keep the whole body in check with the bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue, it is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me as we pray. It is your truth that we seek, O God. A truth that will break through the many falsehoods that we encounter each day. Through the confusion that clouds our eyes and muddles our hearts. Speak your truth to us. Give us energy through the Holy Spirit to be a people who live lifestyles that reflect your truth, and who speak words that bring life. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a rhyme that has been taught to generations of children as a defense against name-calling and verbal bullying. Well-meaning adults have repeated this saying, or something like this saying, decade after decade to kids who are obligated to live part of their each day by the cruel rules of the playground, intending to dissuade children from engaging in physical retaliation, to instead remain calm and to increase their resiliency in response to heartless words. But many have taken it upon themselves to modify this phrase over the years. English comedian Eric Idle, once of Monty Python, once rephrased this rhyme to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will make me go in a corner and cry by myself for hours. Actor Stephen Fry expanded on that same theme, saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will always hurt me. Bones mend and become stronger in the very place they were broken, but mental wounds can grind and ooze for decades and be reopened by the quietest whisper. Cartoonist Randall Monroe, he also contributed his own version, saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can make me think I deserved it. Words can give people life just as easily as words can take life away. It is often said that the tongue is the strongest muscle in the human body. That fact isn't true. The tongue loses on a technicality and that it's not an individual muscle. It's actually a system of muscles. However, the myth about the tongue's biology has persisted in part because while the tongue may not be the strongest muscle in our body, It is still immensely powerful. It is with the tongue that we can speak hope, and it is with the tongue that we can speak despair. It is with the tongue that we impart worth, and it is with the tongue that we impart shame. Words can impart life, and words can take life away. It's true that the words that we speak Into the lives of others it's true that we can speak life into the lives of others but it's also true that we can speak it into our own lives as well our scripture passage for this morning it focuses not on how our words help or hurt other people it focuses instead on how the words that we use help or hurt us what we choose to speak or not speak directs more than our tongue. Our words steer our actions, and our words shape our character. Eugene Peterson paraphrases verses 3 through 6 of our passage for today, saying this, A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Remember, it takes only a spark to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do just that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, Set the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Scholar Hamza Youssef, he paraphrases this whole section really nicely, saying very simply, don't ever diminish the power of your words. Words move hearts, and hearts move limbs. Rabbi Herschel says something similar. He says, speech has power, Words do not fade. What starts as a sound ends as a deed. Our tongue is the bridle that controls our whole body. Our tongue is the spark that can impart light if if it is controlled or impart destruction if it is out of control. What we say shapes the actions that we take and influences the actions that others will take as well. This powerful connection between words and actions, it's currently on display in our national politic as our legislature debates whose words can be held responsible for the violence at our Capitol back in January. But perhaps no segment of society enacts the power our words have on action more dramatically than our children and our youth. And very few in our world are able to hold us accountable for the words that we say more forcibly or more innocently than our children and teenagers. Sometimes the way that kids enact our words is amusing. For instance, I had a colleague of mine once tell me about how his children started charging him a quarter for every time that he muttered a curse word under his breath during the day, which instantly became an amount that he had to pay out in bills rather than in coins by the end of each evening. Or when my daughter was a young toddler, old enough to understand words but not quite old enough to speak a lot of them, I once asked her to hop up next to me on the low wall which I was sitting on. And it was only after she scowled at me, after bumping her knees against that wall when she was jumping, that I realized I had asked her to hop when I really wanted her to climb. A couple of months later, she mastered that climbing. And as she climbed precariously around a high, narrow ledge on a playset, my husband called out her name to precaution her, only to have her interrupt him, saying in a sing-song voice, Be careful, Marlo, as she just kept on climbing. Sometimes our kids can be a revealing and funny reflection of the words that we use. But at other times, the way our words reflect in our children's lives condemns us. There is a well-known photo from 1992 that depicts a round-faced toddler dressed in a white robe and a pointed white hood, reaching out curiously to touch the protective police shield that is balanced casually on the foot of a black police officer as he served his shift outside of a Ku Klux Klan rally. Or perhaps think of the many photos and pictures that we have seen from the 1960s of children and teenagers who are spitting and shouting at their black peers as they walk to attend school as they tried to eat at lunch counters, or as they went to ride on public buses. Our children and teenagers show us the power that words have to shape our actions, to shape our values, to shape who we are as individuals, to shape who we are as a society. And they reflect back to us those values, sometimes in a way that shows courage, and sometimes in a way that shows our fear. One of the people in our community who has quietly spoken words of faith and courage into the lives of our children and teens is the Reverend Becca Bateman. Over her nine years here as an ordained minister, Becca has greeted our children and youth with words, words that have affirmed God's truth in their lives, that they are welcome, that they are valuable, that they belong, that they are loved. Often, the words that we value most in our society are the words that are spoken loudly, the words that come from a microphone or come out of this pulpit. But we see through Becca's ministry here that the true power of words are not often the words that are spoken the most loudly. They are the words that are spoken most consistently. The words that are whispered over prayer. The words that every single day affirm you are loved. You are welcome. You belong. We have seen through Becca's ministry that words have the power to shape a life and a faith in God, not just for a day, but for a lifetime. There are many in our society today who will try to say that words don't matter, that words are meaningless, or that words don't reveal our character or direct our actions because they're just words. But to minimize the value of words is to minimize the biblical truth that we find in the Gospel of John chapter 1 that says, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." All things came into being through that word, Jesus Christ. What has come into being in Jesus was life, and life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. You see, some denominations regard the Bible to be the word of God, but in our Reformed Presbyterian tradition, we understand that the word of God is not confined to print on a page, but that the word of God is the person of Jesus Christ himself, just as it says here in John. The Bible is not the word of God that Gospel of John is speaking about. Jesus is. Which means that words are really, really important to God. It is through the word of Jesus that everything good was created. It is through the word of Jesus that Darkness was broken by light. It is through the word of Jesus that death was broken by life. The person of Jesus Christ is the word that God has used to speak to us. A word so powerful, so true, that it could not be overcome by death. And it could not be shadowed by any falsehood. Words are very important to God. Because it is by the word Jesus Christ that all was brought into life, and by the word of Jesus Christ that you and me are called to share in eternal life. So, what do the words that you say say about you? Do we pray with piety in church? only to curse humanity in the world? Do we make sure to sound good when we are speaking where we can be heard, but spend most of our time muttering under our breath? Are our words like sparks of flame, the kind of flame that bring the warmth of candlelight into other people's lives? Are they kind of flames that destroy acres upon acres in an uncontrollable fire? Do our words lead us to brandish sticks and to cast stones? Or do our words direct us to inspire and nurture and heal? This week, I invite you to join me in asking how the word of God can transform our words. The words that we speak out loud. The words that we mutter under our breaths. The words that we say to one another. And the words that we repeat every single day to the children who desperately need to know that they are loved. We are loved. Amen.